Good morning, everybody. My name is David McMinn, and I'm the pastor here, if you didn't catch that already. And I'm so glad that you have chosen to worship our risen Lord with us. It's a great day. It's a great day to be the church and be in church and be worshiping Christ together. I'm really excited. We're starting a, a new five-week sermon series on Moses, one of the most interesting characters in the Bible. A lot of this is taken from Adam Hamilton's book on Moses, and uh, we're actually doing a Bible study at the same time, and it's not too late to sign up. So if you want to join us, come on Wednesday. I'll give a little brief overview, even if you haven't had a chance to read the chapter, and we'll talk about this incredible character, this incredible person of Moses. You know, this is the story of the, of the burning bush. This is the story of God and the plagues. This is the story of, of God separating the waters and, and the... the Israelites going across and then defeating Pharaoh's army by bringing them back. This is, this is the story about God and a pillar of fire at night and a cloud during the day. But what is amazing about this story is that as big as it gets and amazing as it gets and is how powerful God is in this story, it starts off really small. It starts off with four courageous women that we're going to talk about. And what's amazing in this story is God is barely mentioned in the story. Now, we of course, just like in the book of Esther, where, where it doesn't even mention God, we know God is acting and we know God is the kind of the silent person behind working all things together for the good of those who believe. But it's a very subtle story about how God is working. So because often God does amazing things, but starts out small with ordinary people. There was a song that I grew up with, a hymn, and it's, it only takes a spark to get a fire going. Did anybody sing that hymn growing up? Uh, it only takes a spark to get a fire going, and then soon all those around can warm up and it's glowing. That's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced it, you spread his love to everyone, and you want to pass it on. So often God starts with small beginnings and uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And I don't know about you, but that gives me great hope. That gives me great hope because our problems in our world seems like they're so big, but really God is using us to provide that hope. God is working through us. And, and the amazing thing is God is the one who is actually doing the heavy lifting. All God wants from us is to stick our toes in the water. And so we have this story, and in case you don't really, you're not familiar with the story of Moses, I'll, I'll give you a little background. So earlier in Genesis, there's this guy named Joseph, and his brothers sell him into slavery, and that was the nice side. Some of his brothers wanted to kill him, and, and so to be nice, they sell him into slavery. And he goes to Egypt, and God uses this act to save his family, because this huge famine comes. And his whole family ends up moving to Egypt, and Joseph was put in charge of the grain. In fact, he was ruling for that Pharaoh. And so he was able to save his family. God used this awful event that happened to him, and yet God was faithful, and God used him to save his family. And so they had a great relationship with the Egyptians until at one time a new Pharaoh, in, in Exodus chapter 1 it tells us a new Pharaoh came to power, and everything changed. And you see that the Hebrew people were fruitful because God tells us to be fruitful and multiply, right? And so they were fruitful and they were multiplying and they were coming larger and larger. And these Egyptians were getting afraid. 
Now, it's kind of a ridiculous thing because these are the Egyptians that built the pyramids. If you've ever seen a picture of the, you know, the pyramids at Giza are these awesome structures that these people, this was the superpower of the day, and they were afraid of a few shepherds. They were afraid of a few shepherds. And, and Pharaoh uses fear among the people to do some awful, awful acts, which we're going to talk about today. And yet, the more that Pharaoh oppressed them, the more that Pharaoh enslaved them, the more God was faithful. Because we know God is faithful in the most difficult and painful times of our life. And sometimes God brings the greatest good and our greatest pain. So our story today, we're going to actually read a fair amount of scripture, uh, starting with uh, Exodus chapter 1. And we're going to read about four incredibly courageous, law-defying women. So if you will, if you brought your Bible, I invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 1 and read along with the story. And if you didn't, it's going to be on the screen above with us. So this is Exodus chapter 1, starting with verse 15. Give me a second. And this is what it says. The king of Egypt spoke to two Hebrew midwives named Shipra and Pua. When you're helping the Hebrew women give birth and you see a baby being born, if it's a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, you can let her live. Now the two wives respected God, so they didn't obey the, Egyptians king, the Egyptian king's order. Instead, they let the baby boys live. So the king of Egypt called two midwives and, the two midwives and said to them, Why are you doing this? Why are you letting the baby boys live? The two midwives said to Pharaoh, Because Hebrew women aren't like Egyptian women. They're much stronger and give birth before any midwives can get to them. So God treated the midwives well, and the people kept on multiplying and became very strong. And because the midwives respected God, God gave them households of their own. Then Pharaoh gave an order to all his people, throw every baby boy born to the Hebrews into the Nile, but you can let all the girls live. You can let all the girls live live. So Pharaoh commands his awful things, to kill the boys, but you can let all the girls live. This xenophobia, this fear of the other, of these people, these migrant peoples who they had welcomed into their land, caused Pharaoh to say, you can kill all the baby boys. How tragic, how terrible, how awful. And then he goes to these two Hebrew women, Shipra and Pua. This is the only story in the Bible that we know about them. He goes to them and he says, I want you to do this. Not only does Pharaoh want the Hebrew boys killed, he's going to go to Hebrew women to do the task. And he says, yeah, I need you to kill every baby boy. Could you imagine how terrifying that would be? But let's not forget that this is Pharaoh. The people believe that not only was Pharaoh king, of course the Hebrews didn't believe this, But the Egyptians did. Not only was Pharaoh king, but he was a god. You did not deny Pharaoh. Imagine the most powerful man in your world telling you to kill children. What do you do? What's amazing is Shipper and Pua, they lie. So here is an example in the Bible of people lying to do something good. Because, of course, killing is a greater sin by far. Killing babies. 
And so they lie to Pharaoh, and they tell this kind of funny story that it's, you know, these Hebrew, Hebrew women, they're, they're so strong and vital. That's, that's a little bit of a slap to the face of Pharaoh too, right? To, to talk about how strong and vibrant Hebrew women are in comparison to the Egyptians and that they give birth before they get there. And so they lie because they respected God, or in some translations it says they feared God more than they feared Pharaoh. They respected God. They believed that God was more powerful, that God would protect them, that God would be there for them if they did the right thing in the right situation. Sometimes, church, as the people of God, we have to do what is difficult, and we have to stand up for what is right, even when the powers tell us to do something different. A great example, I have a picture. Uh, you may not remember this, but in the, in the last part of the, the 20th century, there was a huge amount of violence in Ireland between the Protestants and the Catholics. And for some reason, they thought they could turn to violence to make it better. And this picture is a man, you can see the priest towards the right. It's a little hard to see, but uh, is a priest holding a bloody white handkerchief after the British military fired into a crowd of protesters. And they're carrying a young man who had been wounded. This man is Bishop Edward Daly. And he stood up to the powers on both sides who were turning to violence rather than to try to find a peaceful solution. And I'm happy to say that eventually they were able to find a peaceful solution in Ireland. And today there's not the violence that there was. And this man, this man of God, this Catholic priest, stood up to the powers of the day. And when he died... The church bells tolled for an hour straight because of what he did and what he meant to the people. Sometimes we have to be like Shipra and Pua, and we have to stand up to the powers when they ask us to do things that are wrong. What's amazing about this story is Pharaoh, who people considered a god and king, no one knows his name. And yet Christians and Jewish people throughout time will tell the story of the faithfulness of Shipra and Pua. Two courageous women. God did something so amazing with small beginnings. These two midwives took ordinary people and did something extraordinary. And then the story continues because Pharaoh wasn't satisfied that the Hebrews wouldn't kill their own children. He finally goes and he tells the Egyptians to kill Hebrew children. This is what it says. Now a man from Levi's household married a Levite woman uh, we know from other parts that this is, the names are Aram and Jochebed. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that the baby was healthy and beautiful. What's interesting here is that verse is the same Hebrew words that is used in Genesis chapter 1 where God says that creation is very good. She looked at her child and saw that he was very good. What mother doesn't look at their baby and see that they are very good and beautiful. And so, of course, she hid him for three months until she could not hide him any longer. When she couldn't hide him any longer, she took a reed basket and sealed it up with black tar. Interestingly, the word for basket, the Hebrew word for basket is ark. So the same word used for Noah when he built the ark and that God saved the people in a boat in the water God is going to save the Hebrew people through this child, Moses, who was put in an ark in the water. These writers are so brilliant. She put the child in the basket and set the basket among the reeds at the riverbank. The baby's older sister stood by, watching nearby to see what would happen. Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in in the river, while her woman servants walked alongside the river. 
She saw the basket among the reeves, and she sent one of her servants to bring it to her. When she opened it, she saw the child. The boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. She said, this must be one of the Hebrews' children. Then the baby sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, would you like for me to go and find you one of the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter agreed, yes, do that. So the girl went and called the child's mother, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child and nurse it for me, and I'll pay you for your work. So the woman took the child and nursed it. After the child had grown up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her son, and she named him Moses because I have pulled him out of the water. It's amazing. His name means I pulled him out of the water on a day where we talk about baptism and about how Jesus saves us, but you know that's a sermon for another day. (laughs) So now we have another courageous woman. We have Moses' mother, Jochebed, who wants to save her son. And she's very smart. Because what happens here is not by accident. You better know that she knew when she put that baby in the water whose palace was nearby and who bathed in that river and what exactly would happen to that child as she gave the child up for adoption. This is the Bible's first account of adoption. And now, of course, that's really special to me as a child who was adopted. And I've always believed that adopted, the biological mothers who give their children up for adoption are doing it out of the greatest sacrifice because they want their child to have a life that they can't give them. In this story, she wants to give him life. He would have died if, she, if he had stayed with his mom. And so this courageous, amazing woman made a plan, set out a plan, set the baby in the river in an ark, and gave that child to another mother who would save him. God takes an ordinary woman and does something extraordinary. And through that, God is going to save God's people. How is God calling you to do something extraordinary in your life? There's one last courageous woman, and that is this princess, this compassionate princess. Because again, this is kind of the subtext behind the the words behind the words, if you will. She was smart. She was educated. She knew probably what was going on here. In fact, she knows that she is defying her father, her father who has told all Egyptians to murder Hebrew babies. She looks at the baby and says, this is a Hebrew child. She has a choice. Is she going to follow her father's will or is she going to do what is right? And that compassionate woman uses her power, her gifts, her wealth, her riches to bless this child. Not only that, she notices the sister. Don't you think that's a little bit of a coincidence? That she wouldn't think, is this somehow related to this baby? Why is this Hebrew girl just happen to be right here? And she lets the mother of Moses help raise her child. And not only that, she pays her What an amazing story by a compassionate princess who is supposed to drown this baby. Instead that she raises it, she defies her father. She could get in trouble by this king who is a god. And she does what is right. And she allows this Hebrew woman to help raise this child. So who are you in this story? Are you feeling oppressed by your life? Do you feel like 
you're going through a difficult time, like the Hebrew people, know that God cares for you and God is with you. Maybe you're the midwives who you know that there's something wrong going on and you feel God calling you to do something about it. Trust in God because God is more powerful and deserves our fear and our respect and we give our lives to God and God takes ordinary people. Maybe you're like the mother who's having to sacrifice for what she would love. Of course she would love to raise her child but for what is best for her child. And God takes these ordinary women and does extraordinary things. Or perhaps you're this princess and you're using the gifts that God has given you, your wealth, what God has given you to save others. That song that we started with, it, it only takes a spark to get a fire going. Malcolm Gladwell says 150 people is all it takes for a movement to start. Well, guess what? We have about I didn't do a count, but we have about 150 people in this room. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. What is this story about? It's that God takes small beginnings and ordinary people and does extraordinary things. Our world needs that hope. Our world needs that truth. Our world needs you to live that truth. So may you be a people who takes small beginnings, who takes that spark of God's love that God has given you and do something extraordinary through your love of your neighbor, through the kindness you can show. And maybe, maybe, just by introducing someone to this Christ who we serve. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.